Observing Mr. Peter Langley and Mr. James Vincent, where they sit side by side in the lounge of the majestic hotel at Newcliffe-on-Sea, it is natural enough that you should amuse yourself by comparing and distinguishing between their respective appearances. Mr. Langley, you note, for instance, has two studs in the front of his dress shirt. Mr. Vincent has but one. Peter's shoes are secured with laces. James is wearing pumps. Peter's dinner jacket is fastened in front with a kind of large cufflink. James's dinner jacket isn't fastened at all, but a second glance shows you that if it were, it would be by means of the ordinary button and button hole. You detect also a difference between the textures of their little black ties, the one being made of shiny satin and the other of delicately corded silk. And then having looked them both up and down once more, and having noticed that each of them is holding a cigar burnt to exactly the same length, and that the wicker table in front of them supports two equally empty coffee cups and two equally empty liqueur glasses, you feel that you have pretty well exhausted the subject. If you have omitted all reference to their faces, it is because they are both entirely free from anything which you can hope to describe. They are just faces, adequate and inoffensive but beyond this there seems no more to be said. And yet, so unaccountable are the secrets of the heart, the strange thing is that both Peter and James are at this moment filled with such an exaggerated consciousness of self, that to each of them his own position as the unwilling sinusure of every pair of eyes in the lounge is a matter beyond question or argument. Nothing at this instant could convince either of them that he is not the subject of everyone's thoughts, from the reception bureau on the one side to the palm court on the other. And since we see that this arresting statement has at last roused your interest in these two young gentlemen, we may perhaps be permitted to go back a little way and tell you something of the causes which had given rise to their peculiar form of hallucination. It may be said at once, that though both Peter and James have every intention of one day becoming quite particularly famous, their names and reputations are at this present moment known to but few outside their immediate circle of friends. It seems clear, therefore, that this self-consciousness is not due to any fear or hope that they may be recognized by the other guests in the hotel, and assailed with demands for autographs or speeches or opinions on the economic future of Europe. And yet to a very minor degree, and in a certain sense, they are both public characters. Taking Peter Langley first. He has been for nearly three years on the staff of the Sunday Senator, where, among other and less interesting jobs, he has been responsible for a number of literary and dramatic criticisms, and has come as near reaching the signed article stage as recently to have inherited someone else's pseudonym, and with it, the duty of filling a column called The Senator in the Library. It is true that four-fifths of this column are occupied with matter supplied by the various publishers who advertise on the same page, but the remaining fraction is Peter's own, and he could truthfully reply, if anyone were ever to ask him, that he and no other is the Mycenaeus whose name is printed at the foot. James Vincent's position in the world of journalism was pretty much on the same level. The organ which claimed his services was Brewer's Weekly, a periodical which took its name from its original proprietor and had no kind of connection, 
as might at first sight appear with the Licensed Vittler's Gazette. Brewer's Weekly enjoyed an enormous circulation among self-educators, and James's principal task was to prepare a regular article called The Romances of Great Authors, in which it was his business to suggest week after week that every well-known writer owed his inspiration to his wife. This propaganda for purity and domestic virtue necessitated, as may be imagined, both suppression and invention. But James had never faltered, even in the most difficult cases. Yet, curiously enough, he was rather ashamed than otherwise of his skill at his work, and if questioned as to its exact nature, preferred to describe himself vaguely, though truthfully, as being on the staff. It should scarcely be necessary to add that both he and Peter had written a novel, so far, however, without any visible results. Their friendship dated back for many years, but it was an affair which had never been put to any severer test than is to be found in the adoption of the same profession. They had few secrets, though, apart from the exact heights of their respective ambitions, and in their overpowering contempt for all the most successful authors, journalists, and editors of the day, they felt and spoke as one man.